Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 280, and I'm Dr. Neil Malik. Hey, welcome to another Friday edition of Optimal Health Daily, where I typically answer your questions. But last week and this week, I'm doing something a little different. I'm playing some other shows that I was featured on. What I'm sharing with you today is a podcast called Right After Breakfast, which has the goal of helping you discover your passions, merge it with your work, and create a lifestyle you love. So big thanks to Nick for doing the interview live in person with me, and definitely check out his show for some great interviews. I had a wonderful time speaking with Nick. I hope you enjoy this interview. So without further ado, let's get right to it as we optimize your life. Thanks, Neil, for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me, Nick. Much appreciated. Yeah, no problem. Uh, can you give us a little bit of background health-wise where you started with all that? Yeah, I um, have to go way back, it seems. Um, when I was, let's see, 19, I was a sophomore in college. I was not following a healthy lifestyle. Health wasn't really that interesting to me at that point. Um, I was a psychology major. I thought I would go into psychology, um, but around that time was when I got diagnosed with a chronic disease. I like to tell folks Del Taco was like my personal house of worship. Um, I was there pretty much every day, skipping breakfast, maybe having a light lunch, but fast food was dinner, no question. And then, um, yeah, got diagnosed with a chronic disease. I wasn't really doing any physical activity. I played sports when I was younger, but I stopped by the time I got to college. And um, it I would like to say it woke me up when I got that diagnosis, but it didn't right away. I got put on medication. It made me feel better, but I still didn't really change my habits until they had to up my medication. Mm. And then finally something clicked and I started doing some research informally on the impact of nutrition and exercise on health. And so I started then finally getting into it. And then I noticed, wow, what a difference it made. Mm. Um, my medication dosages went down. Uh, I started getting more into it and being more strict and exercising more, and my medication dosage went down again. So then I realized, wow, this is really working, and I wanted to show others that you could do this too. So anybody who, anybody else who's faced or had a diagnosis, had any kind of health problem, I want to show them that, look at me, if I can do it, anybody can. And that's what got me into this field of public health and education and nutrition and health education. 
And so once I caught that bug, I didn't stop. Yeah. yeah. It, going back to the beginning there where, you know, you're a huge Del Taco fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was hard to give up. Why uh, was why did you not change your ways right away when you kind of knew there was a problem? It was hard. And I didn't want to give it up. Um, it was hard to convince me that that was what was potentially making me worse or feel so badly. We don't know if that lifestyle exactly is what caused it or if there maybe there's a genetic component too, maybe both. But I found that once I did improve my lifestyle, it got better. But it just was something that I didn't really want to change at the time. I wasn't ready to hear it. And I liked that food too much. And I liked not having exercise. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was it about the medication specifically that really kind of scared you into making a change? Yeah, it was actually the side effects. So um, I'm a little bit of a hypochondriac and I'm, I'm a bit of a, I get freaked out with some certain things. And so when I got my medication, I looked at all the side effects. You know, there's that long list of side effects they give you. And one of the ones that kept popping up was liver failure. So that if you're taking this medication for a long time, it basically kills your liver. And that's when it started to click like, oh, wow, uh, you should probably get off of this or at least decrease your dose. Because I was on kind of a, I was on a pretty high dose, almost max dose. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I don't want my liver to fail. That was kind of a wake up call. Yeah. So you weren't actually even feeling the side effects yet. It was really just reading about it and realizing what you were doing, even though you hadn't reached that point where you were physically feeling stuff. A absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it was just the threat. Just the threat it. of that. That did it, yep. Wow. So you went through this experience, and that obviously kind of altered the course of your life because now you have your doctorate. Uh, so what was, what was kind of the first move uh, schooling-wise that you had to make where you were like, all right, I'm actually going to pursue this as a career? Yeah. And in fact, honestly, it wasn't immediately after college. So I still graduated with my psychology degree. But then I worked for two years because I was still kind of deciding, do I really want to pursue nutrition? Do I want to pursue public health? So I worked for two years and that pushed me into it even further because I saw what I was doing. I was working at payroll and human resources and I was there eight to five I saw myself still not eating great, not finding time to exercise, and so I knew this was not meeting my goals. This is not going to get me healthier. And I saw how depressed people were in the office, and I said, "This isn't for me. I don't want to, and I don't want to become like these folks that don't want to be here." So I said, "Okay, I just got to do it. I got to pursue this idea of health education." And so I found a program where you can get a master's in public health with an emphasis in health education. So what I had to do was go back and retake at a community college, even having graduated with my bachelor's, go back and basically start from scratch with chemistry, organic chemistry. I started with high school chemistry. I had to go that far back after my degree and start over. Wow. And so it took two years, um, but it was worth it yeah. because that got me into the field of public health. Yeah. And nutrition. How do you, for, for people listening to this podcast that might find themselves in a similar situation that you are in where, you know, they kind of almost see the end <laughs> where it's like they're sitting in a job that they don't really yeah. like and th there's older people that are, have been there for a while and you feel like you could just die in this job. How do you make that decision to just actually leave and do this bold thing that kind of at the, at the time probably looked kind of like a crazy idea? It did. Um, 
it took a lot of thought and it was kind of like a leap of faith that, look, I know I don't want to be here any longer. Something's got to change. And I thought about it for a long time. I talked to career counselors. I talked to family, of course, friends, because I, I'm the type who's not going to commit. I like security. I like knowing what's coming next. And this was not that at all. Mm-hmm. And so it made me nervous. It made me very nervous. But everybody told me, look, you've got to try it. You've just got to go for it mm-hmm. and know that you'll learn something, even if it's not for you, if it's not what you wanted, you're going to learn something about yourself along the way. And chances are it's going to open some other door for you. I didn't believe it, but I somehow made that decision to finally leave and try it. Yeah. Yeah. And never look back. Have you, have you liked where that decision has brought you in every way? Are, are there, are there things about even now that you feel like, I'm sure you felt like you made the right decision, but there were there things, uh, about the job that you ended up getting because of that decision that you weren't a hundred percent into, or what, what were some of the things that you weren't a hundred percent sold on? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Actually, my master's education was was awesome. It was amazing. But what I found was even though it was all about health education, it wasn't really as science-based as I wanted it to be. Like we didn't talk enough about nutrition. I had to take just one nutrition class. I didn't have to take an exercise physiology or physical activity class. It was mostly about how do you create public health programs in the community. Awesome. Love that idea. But I really wanted to focus on like nutrition programs or how do I get people to exercise? That's That was my emphasis. That's what I wanted my emphasis to be, mm-hmm. which is actually why I pursued the doctorate. And so the master's was great, but it didn't give me still what I wanted. So there was a bit of a disappointment there. But luckily, my doctorate provided that extra that, that I was looking for. But right out of after getting my master's, right out of school, I worked for a large HMO, and I was a health educator there. And immediately I saw I still needed more education. Again, I didn't know enough about nutrition. I didn't know enough about human behavior. And so that was a job that I thought I would love, but I didn't. And knew that I didn't want to be here all that long. I was there three years and resigned after that. Hmm. Um, I worked as an adjunct faculty right after my master's as well. That clicked with me. Mm -hmm. That I loved. Um, But there were definitely moments where, yeah, this isn't quite what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. How, I mean, I know a lot of people, uh, for them, school is not their thing. And for a lot of careers, you don't need anywhere near the amount of schooling that you've had to have. Um, how have you been able to embrace school, uh, as a place that you've obviously spent a lot of time trying to get to where you need to be because you've had to be there? Yeah. I'm, I've always kind of been interested in academia. I've always, well, I shouldn't say always, but I've liked school for the most part. I was successful in school. And so I would say there are folks who just don't like or enjoy that environment. And I get it. I would, for for those folks, and in fact, I've met them when I taught at a community college, I've met folks who just aren't feeling it when they're in class. And I encourage them to pursue other options because there are other ways to be successful. Maybe it's a trade. Um, I think education is important, of course. But for some where it's just not motivating them at that moment, maybe they do need to try something else to get it out of their system. Yeah. But for me, I liked academia. 
Do you think it's worth sticking it out even for somebody who maybe doesn't like it as much if they really feel like they have to do it? Is it is it worth going through sticking it out through all those years of schooling to try and get to somewhere where they hope to be? Yeah, it would depend, I think, on what their goals are. And so if they want to be in a career where, you know, they're going to toss your resume if you don't have a degree, then I would say try and get through it and do your best with it. You'll learn something, I promise. It may not be what you wanted to learn, but you'll learn something about yourself and, of course, about the world, which is so important. So I would say it kind of depends on their goals, but not everything is going to require that level of education. Hmm. Right after you got your doctorate, what was the first uh, place of work that you landed at? And how did you, uh, did you appreciate that spot or was it immediately a place that you kind of wanted to move on from? Yeah, right after my doctorate, I was, I got an adjunct position at California State University Fullerton, but I wanted a full-time job. That was only Mm -hmm. a part-time thing. And so my first full-time job was actually an occupational wellness specialist for the University of California at Riverside. That is basically, basically what I got to do was help faculty, staff, basically employees feel their best. So I put together education programs for them to make them feel good. And that, I actually loved that job. Um, I felt very lucky to have it. I learned a lot doing it, learned a lot about human behavior, and I could have kept that job forever. Um, It was just one of those where you get to make people feel better and create fun programs for them. Mm -hmm. So I got to have fun with people all day. So it was a great gig. Um, But there was that little string that was tugging at me that said, I love academia and teaching the mm-hmm. college level yeah. or university level. And so, yeah, eventually I made that switch. Kind of went back. Yeah. What's the main uh, message that you feel like when you're teaching, you end up trying to get across to your students? What is that kind of nugget that you feel like everybody needs to know? That's a great question. Um, I would say that everybody's different. So when you're working with people, meet them where they are. Uh, don't force your views upon them, but rather let them speak their mind. Let them tell you where they're coming from and then do your best to meet them where they are. You don't have to make all of the changes that you want. You don't have to push on them all of the changes that you want them to make right away. Let them get out what they need to and then be their guide mm-hmm. and just gently guide them towards hopefully healthier habits. Yeah. So do you feel like you... you view health as more of a holistic approach, um, like more than just diet, more than just, is it also a lifestyle thing? Most definitely. Um, Diet, of course, is huge. It plays a big role. But yeah, I would say head to toe, we need to think about the person, not just looking at their meals or looking at their activity. Yeah. Uh, So because this podcast is obviously based a lot around passions and merging passions with the work life, how important do you think stuff like work-life balance and being in a job that you, that really makes you happy on a regular basis, how important is that to the whole body uh, of who you are health-wise? Yeah, work, loving your work, or at least liking it and not hating it, mm-hmm. it is huge because you spend more time at work if you're working eight to five with the two weeks of standard vacation we all get, that's where you're spending most of your life. And so why not make it something that you like going to and actually like working with those people? Otherwise, it feels like you're kind of wasting part of your life. Yeah. And that's for me, was a big motivator. Mm. So 
if you can try and merge yes some of your passion your the work you find is not gonna be perfect mm-hmm. but if you like it that's so much better than what most people unfortunately mm-hmm. face as a society is there a way in which we can make it better for people to achieve that i know like a lot of people whether it's they just don't know how to get into that position uh to find like what they're passionate about and love and and to do that um is is there is there anything that we can do uh to help that process at all to make it easier i don't know about making it easier but what's interesting when i really think about it i think people know what their passions are and i'll give you an example for me i knew that i would have to go into nutrition because I was reading my college nutrition textbook. I took one nutrition class as an undergrad. I read that at night before bed each night. And then it finally hit me. I didn't even realize it, but I was like, why am I bothering with this? I should just go into this. And so I think when people really take a step back and look at how are they spending their time when they're not at work, what are they doing? I think they'll find that's where their passions lie. And they may just need to say, okay, well, how can I make this a career? Mm-hmm. It sounds more simple and probably there's there's going to be a lot of cases where that is going to be a little more complicated. But I think that's the first step. Yeah. I think uh, another thing too is having supplemental things with your, you know, maybe you have a, a full-time job, but you also have something on the side that you can do, whereas you actually have a podcast uh, that you're also doing. Tell me a little bit about the podcast that you're doing on the side as well. Yeah. So yeah, when I'm not teaching, I'm, uh, I have a Monday through Friday kind of daily podcast. It's called Optimal Health Daily. And we, I, basically I read about, I read blogs that other folks have published on the web, but I'm kind of like an audiobook where I read those blogs to you. And so I read from different authors. I do pull from a lot of the same authors like Ben Greenfield. Um, but Basically, I save you the trouble of having to read it yourself. Mm-hmm. And then I give my little bit of commentary towards the end where, you know, it's a lot of health and nutrition related stuff. But I want to make sure my listeners understand what the data says and to make sure that it's a unbiased perspective that, yes, this author may have said this, but also please know about this. Or there's one slight modification I would mention just so, again, folks aren't getting misinformation from me because they are hearing my voice. Mm-hmm. What is something as simple as that, but a supplemental thing to your full-time job, what does that bring to you? It's, for me, another way to just educate the public, which is what I've wanted to do. I didn't want to have anybody else go through what I went through with my health. And so if I can bring more information to people and have people in their cars while they're listening to the podcast going, oh, aha, I get it now, or wow, that's something I can do that's the moment where that's my purpose in life, I think. Mm-hmm. And so it's just another way to bring more knowledge to the public. And that's, that's my career. That's what I feel like I was put on this earth to do. Yeah. Is there anything else in the future, either with the podcast or your teaching work? Do you have any future goals for where you kind of want to bring either of those things? I would say I, I've always wanted to write a book and Um, I don't know what the platform would be. I don't know what that would look like, but it's always been something I've wanted to do. So maybe at some point it'll turn into that. Nice. Yeah, that would be fun. You're already doing an audio book, basically. You're right, (laughs) essentially. (laughs) Um, So what else else about uh, health is, if you could give um, 
kind of one or two things for people to do every day uh, to just really help because health is obviously so important. That's the reason that we can do anything. You know, if we want to achieve our goals, if we want to get the career that we want to have, it all starts with health. So what what can we do every day? Maybe one thing, maybe two things that would really help us be in a good uh, state of mind and state of body. Yeah, I would say first do less sitting, although we're sitting right now. But, uh, yeah, if we were <laughs> standing, standing yeah, talking. we should have been. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I would say move. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes at a gym. If you're standing and you're moving, that's important. And that affects what we're learning is that affects you from head to toe. Every cell in the body responds well to movement and even the brain. So I would say that's like number one. And then I would say number two would be sleep. Give your body enough sleep. And that's something I feel in my experience, a lot of people don't get that seven hours uninterrupted minimum for adults. Yeah. Try and get that. You got to get that. Yeah. That's interesting. So it's the movement and also the non-movement that are both really, (laughs) really important. Exactly. Um, And what about, what about in, in between? I mean, how, how important is other stuff like, you know, obviously people harp on, on diet a lot. Uh, People harp on uh, other things like, you know, everything from like meditation to, um, you know, whatever else it is. Uh, I mean, how, how what's kind of like, are there key things that you should be doing during your day uh, as well? Yeah, I would say having that moment, whether it's meditation or you're just sitting with your eyes closed in silence, mm-hmm. uh, we need that kind of time is what we're learning. And I found when I do that, that's where some of my best ideas come from. That's where it doesn't take long, five minutes. Um, that's where I really start to make those important connections, I'll come up with these ideas and I'll be like, oh, I forgot to do this or I need to do this. And just, it takes five minutes of silence. We're not getting exposed to all these stimuli. So yeah, I absolutely, I would say just meditation sometime where you have no sensory, (laughs) uh, nothing's coming in sensory wise. So that's definitely important. And then with diet, you know, it's, there's really no magic to it other than what you've already been hearing. Um, you know, fruits and vegetables, legumes, beans, especially whole grains, those kinds of things for most people. That's what we are learning. We ultimately need, but it's just doing it. That's the problem. Yeah. And how important is going back to kind of the meditation piece is, is listening to ourselves. I know like for you, uh, you obviously had the chronic, uh, disease that kind of came up and you were able to like reflect on that. And I think everybody probably has something that they could be reflecting more on to try and help them discover something else. Uh, so how, how important is just opening that space up to try and discover what's, what's good for you and, uh, you know, just to, just to help you kind of learn and grow as a person. Yeah. Listening to your body and just being intuitive or taking the, taking a moment to really listen to what your body's telling you is definitely important. And it takes a little bit of practice. Mm -hmm. We often ignore those signals. I would say everybody's got that intuition, but they learn to ignore it. And so taking the moment just to say, okay, what's my body trying to tell me here? Yeah. That can be absolutely very, very valuable. And for me, it's taken me a while. And actually you're right. The chronic disease kind of got me to that point where I had to start listening to my body a little bit more. Right. And so you all can do it. It's just, you've got to, you got to listen. Yeah. You got to make the time, I guess too. Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, How, um, 
the other thing I, I wonder about is, you know, I see a lot of people that are in situations they don't want to be in career-wise as well. How how uh, kind of dangerous is something like depression, things like that, uh, for just kind of not realizing there's a problem or realizing there's a problem and not doing anything about it? Is that is that a danger as well? Yeah, I would say just because um, you're not living, potentially you're not living your most fulfilled life. And so um, many people have low levels of depression. It's not it's not getting to the point where it's clinically diagnosed, where they maybe need right. to go on medications or anything. But, but yeah, it's going to definitely affect quality of life. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're learning is so important, is not necessarily how long you live, but your years on this earth, are they spent mostly happy? Or mm-hmm. are you mostly kind of running along the depressed side? And right. hopefully most people will take that moment and say, you know, I'm, I'm not as happy as I want to be. Yeah. And maybe it's a career change. Maybe it's something else. But I think like, kind of like what you said, Nick earlier is maybe if there's a passion you have, you do it part-time, just do it on the side, do your mm-hmm. regular job. So you have that security. Yeah. But do just add a little bit to that. And it's going to take a little bit more work, but it can turn out so well for you in the end. Yeah. And I feel like there's a, there's uh going back to the, uh, depression thing and how, you know, we can kind of have low levels, but not necessarily diagnosed. It seems like there's kind of a, a line of threshold where we can be experiencing uh, symptoms, but they're not actually diagnosable. I mean, is, is that the case where you can actually kind of have something, I guess, but in a way it's like dormant until it kind of passes this threshold line? I know that's kind of the way f- the body works sometimes, right? Like you'll, if you're running and you're a runner and you know, all of a sudden your knees just suddenly start hurting. Is that like the, the long kind of breakdown of, of your knee over time? And then you finally realize that it's bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it very much can be like that. And not being a, a psychologist by trade, what I would say is that seems pretty accurate where many people can function with low levels of depression. They'll go, they'll be fine throughout the day. They can perform at work. Their social relationships are okay but they're not reaching their full potential. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of holding them back a little bit. And so, yeah, um, I would say that for some, it may escalate and then they'll realize that they need to do something. For others, they'll just continue as is and yeah. they'll be okay. Yeah, and they'll, they'll figure it out. It'll, yep. <laughs> yeah, won't always be great, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so how did you, just going back to the podcast, I do want to touch on that one more time. How did you get involved in that originally? How, how is it uh, brought to you and how did you realize that you wanted to be a part of it? Yeah. And, uh, my brother actually a year before I got involved had been doing his optimal living daily podcast and he was having quite a bit of success with it. And he was essentially doing what I do where he reads blogs like an audio book and then um, there's a little bit of his own commentary. But his his podcast is all about um, kind of minimalism and, you know, optimizing your life so that, you know, if you're chasing the dollar, there are other ways to kind of go about and live your life. So his is all about complete wholeness with regards to your lifestyle. Mm. And then he thought, well, it's missing kind of like that expert health piece. And so he yeah. kind of approached me and said, hey, I want to expand my podcast and have another component to this family that we're going to call Optimal Daily. And so yours would be Optimal Health Daily. And he said, well, just do the same thing. You'll read from health blogs about nutrition, fitness, and all that. And you can give some commentary at the end. 
And so he approached me, actually. Yeah. Were you completely sold on the approach right away? <laughs> no. In fact, I said, so this is what you've been doing for the past year? And he's like, yeah. And I said, how's that been going? He says, it's going really well. Um, he he was, I guess, really quickly in the top five most downloaded podcasts in, in some category. And I thought about it for a while. I didn't immediately say yes. I said, you know, I'm really busy. Uh, so mm-hmm. let me think about it. My summer is going to be a little bit more free. Maybe we start then. And um, uh, he said, go ahead and check mine out. Let's listen to mine, see what I'm doing, and then let me know. And so I did. And I said, okay, let's give it a shot. And I thought, you know, if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Um, I'll just move on. But um, he kept sending me more more scripts. I kept reviewing them. And so I felt, okay, well, he keeps sending me stuff. So I guess we're doing okay. Um, I don't look at the numbers or anything, so I don't know where we stand. But um, he keeps sending me scripts, and I just keep doing it. And it's been fulfilling for you, right? Exactly, because it's just another way to, again, educate. Yeah. yeah. How, what's the importance of saying yes to things? This is, I, I'm pausing and kind of smiling because <laughs> I, I made this speech to my master's students, actually, uh, during their orientation. My theme was just say yes. Really? I said, exactly. That's yep. great. I said, just say yes. Whatever opportunity comes your way, Say yes, and then you can always say, you know what, it's not what I thought it was, and then turn it down. But if an opportunity comes your way, just say yes. And um, so I think it's very important. Um, granted, I didn't say yes immediately to my brother, mm-hmm. but I said, let's talk about it. I didn't shut the door. And so, uh, yeah, I would say it's hugely important. Give it a try. You'll learn something about yourself. Yeah. Thanks so much, Neil, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Nick. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Where can uh, people find you online? Where can people get in touch with you or the podcast as well? Yeah. um, So they can find us in, um, if they just search for Optimal Living Daily or Optimal Health Daily, wherever they download podcasts, you'll find us there. Um, They can also go to oldpodcast.com and they'll see all of our shows. There are five podcasts in our family. So, um, yeah, that's where they can go to find us. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it filters out incompatible applicants. So when you're hiring, the process is much faster and you only have to consider applicants that are already likely to be a great fit. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash health. Just go to indeed.com slash health right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash health. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A big thanks again to Nick from Right After Breakfast for having me on his show. You can search for his show in the podcast app of your choice and subscribe to hear some more great interviews. You can also find him online at rightafterbreakfast.com. Next week, I'll be back to answer your questions right here on the show, I promise. So if you want to send one in, it's really easy to do it. 
Come by oldpodcast.com and look for the bar along the side of the page that says, Ask a Health Question. If you click on that, you can record a message straight from your computer's microphone or from a phone if you use the app. You can do multiple takes. It's really easy. Or you can always call in. The number is 61-I-LOVE-O-H-D. So either that or visit oldpodcast.com, send in your question, and you'll be in special raffles to win books from us. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing to the show. I'll be back here on Monday where your optimal life awaits. Hello, Life Optimizer. This is Justin Mollick, creator and producer of this show and Optimal Living Daily, the brother podcast of this one. Literally, I'm Dr. Neil's brother. If you like the format of this show, you'll love Optimal Living Daily too, where I also read to you from blogs, but cover other topics like personal development, finance, and minimalism from bloggers like Derek Sivers, The Minimalists, Zen Habits, and many more. So for more amazing content read to you for free, come subscribe to Optimal Living Daily too, and together we'll optimize your life. You've been listening to Optimal Health Daily. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on each new episode and head to oldpodcast.com. That's oldpodcast.com for a free gift as well as more actionable tips and resources to help you maximize your potential. Thanks for joining us and remember, your optimal life awaits.